You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to BatmanPodcastNetwork.com for a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also love to dive into other nerdy topics we all love to frolic about in our free time. Thank you for tuning in and listening to episode number 71, Damned. Now joining me for his very first time on the show, uh, from the from the Let's Go Network, he is from the Great White North. It's Mr. Emmett Davis. Emmett, welcome to the show. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. It was a perfect, beautiful intro. <laughs> Woo! Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. Thanks, thanks again for having me on. I'm uh, really looking forward to this one. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you've been, oh, you've been kind to the show for I think since its since its beginning. I uh, definitely felt like I was letting you down because some of those giveaways were not allowed to go out to Canadians. So I'm I was going to say that, that our, our origin story is. <laughs> Is you hosting a, a Twitter giveaway, and I wanted to win so badly, and then because I live above a certain line yeah. uh, in North America, I wasn't allowed to have it, and I cursed you yeah. uh, for, for many of months. And curses, yeah, that's right. And then uh, uh, eventually that stopped, and I just enjoy the show now. We're, we are okay, and it, it ended all giveaways, so I hope that you're happy. Yeah, that's right. I'm kidding. Uh, before we go into the topic at hand today, I would like to ask you what I like to ask every person who comes to the show for the first time what is emmett your favorite batman story yeah that's uh yeah it's a tough one Mm -hmm. um i I have i have a recency biased answer which i i won't give which is three jokers Mm. um but one i think about all the time and one i go back to all the time is uh dark victory yeah um you know i love you know, I obviously love Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. I love the long Halloween, mm-hmm. um, not as much as somebody. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love the story and I love the the branch off from Dark Victory. I like the Robin inclusion of it. You know, Robin's one of my, if not my favorite DC character. Um, so just having him in the story along with Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb, I think, you know, it just really amplifies for for me. And it's, it's again, it's something that I think about all the time. I think about Dark Victory and I, well, it just as I think about Long Halloween, and mm-hmm. I think it's such an important uh, Batman story, but also a Robin story. You know, I like Batman who's with a Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that's a better version of Batman. The one that I enjoy more is when he has a partner with him. So seeing the, you know, the origin and the, the tale of those two coming up together in that same Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb universe that just amplifies it for me awesome well done yeah there's definitely not i mean dark victory has its fans but i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say oh i think long halloween's better so let me ask you then do you think that Mm -hmm. do you go with the thinking of the artist tim sale and that the the art is better in dark victory than the long halloween for you uh i wouldn't say that i wouldn't think that okay um he can think that he's, yeah. you know, he's, the, he's the creator of he it. Does. So that's fine. Yeah. I'm not one, not one to judge, but, uh, it's maybe more refined, mm-hmm. maybe a little, little tighter and a little cleaner, but better is, you know, that's sure. Uh, that's a different way of saying it. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Nice mm-hmm. pick. 
Well done. And I am I am a no stranger to Mr. Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales collaborations. And I think yeah, sure. I, I, I swear it's not a suck a suck up to you pick. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. Because if they was that, you'd say the long Halloween. But then I wouldn't even exactly. say it's sucking up because I'd be like, it's the right best. So it. of course it's the best. But no, I, <laughs> right. I think I think on my my top ten episode, uh, I think that was my number three even. So uh, great choice, great pick. Um, much like today's pick the story uh batman damned uh was released in 2018 and 2019 in three oversized prestige format issues part of black label written by brian azarello illustrated by lieber mayo himself colored by lieber mayo himself it became out in three physical issues it was also available digitally it released in a hardcover and recently it's been released in a trade paperback for the first time now emmett for this episode which version did you get to read so I have the hardcover, mm-hmm. with the beautiful slip cover on it. Um, I just received it um, just this past Christmas. My wife is a, is a Christmas gift. Awesome. Uh, so I read the beautiful hardcover. Excellent. Um, mm-hmm. For this one, now, I knew I should have gotten this before we started recording, but I'm going to step over here for a second, out of frame. Emmett and I can see each other, but sadly, mm-hmm. people listening, you won't get to see me. Uh, I have the original three issues. Beautiful. Including that first issue, which we will get into. and The extra special first the issue. The extra yeah. special, yes. That comes, <laughs> uh, the extra package, so to speak, of that yeah, first issue. Right. And <laughs> along the bottom of each one is signed by Mr. Liebermail himself. Oof, and for beautiful. those reasons, I don't open these because I am afraid that I'm going to damage it. Some, <laughs> I'm going to damage it somehow. So that's not the version that I read. I also mm-hmm. read the hardcover that Emmett just mentioned. Also mm-hmm. signed by Mr. Liebermayho himself. And I'll get so into that awesome. story here in a second. Uh, <laughs> Emmett, when was the first time that you read this story? I read it as it came out okay. um, digitally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was really, that's pretty much uh, along the uh, same lines as when um, I had started writing for uh, the Let's Go Podcast Network. So, you know, I was just getting into really back into the thick of um, the ins and outs mm-hmm. of comic books, you know, not just going to your comic book shop and picking them up and reading them, you know, uh, getting a little bit of the behind the he- behind the scenes stuff. So uh, I read them all digitally um, as they came out. Excellent. I. Oh, at that time I was. Yeah, I was. I was writing reviews for Batman on film and I actually I got to write the reviews for Batman Dam. So mm-hmm. I was able to read them digitally ahead of time. And then each Wednesday at that time was when new releases for DC came out. And I would go to the comic shop and buy them. So I read it also as it came out. Um, mm-hmm. But let me ask you, because if you know, I talk about Libra Mayo enough on here. So it would be no surprise <laughs> at all why I would choose Damned. But why did you choose Damned when I asked you if you'd like to come on the show? I chose it because I almost knew that nobody else was going to pick it. Okay. Um, it's such a controversial book. It's not a well-liked book all around. Okay. Um, and it's heavier than a lot of Batman books. There, you know, this isn't a straight-up Batman tale. You know, mm-hmm. it's basically um, a Justice League Dark tale with Batman in it doing his thing. So um, I knew it was a little bit out there. So I knew I had a pretty safe pick that nobody else would want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um Aside from that, I love the story. Um, I love this beautiful hardcover that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love Azarello. I love Bermejo. I, you know, I love Joker. I love Luther. Um, you know, I, I, I love them as a creative team. So that just amplified it as well. Sure. 
Sure, yeah. I I like this story. Um, I can't say that I love it, but whatever the notch is mm-hmm. right below loving it, which is really funny to me because I still, even after this reading, I don't know kind of what's <laughs> happening. There's, sure. But there's something about atmospherics and stories that I can really mm-hmm. just jump into a world. And even though I don't exactly know what's going on, I'm enjoying the experience. I'm enjoying the the look of things and the the vibe and the, in this case, the maturity level of the story that they're telling. And uh, I think like, let's just, I guess we'll just, I, I don't even know necessarily where to begin other than, I guess, the, I agree. <laughs> the origins of this book, because hmm. uh, let's rewind here bragging rights that in 2019 i did i was working in a pre and it seems so long ago pre-pandemic times <laughs> what a that, that there was a time when that wasn't a thing yeah there was a time that <laughs> things were normal um yeah and i stumbled across that azarello and bromeo were doing a a tour basically and they were going to have two stops in chicago and they were going to be signing and it was uh a couple of weeks, maybe two weeks after the release of this hardcover. And so they were going to be doing some signings and their one signing was going to end up being like Monday at noon. And it was going to be really close to where I work. So I was like, Holy crap. And so I would just wanted them. I'm going to go there and get a signing, but I wonder if I can interview Bermejo. Cause as anybody's listened to the show knows Bermejo and brave Fogel are t- tied for my favorite Batman artists of all time. And I just, I love their, both of their work. I love Romeo's work every time he touches Batman. And so I reached out to Batman on film, uh, Bill Ramey, who has been friends with Lee for almost 20 years. And I'm like, is there any way you can make this happen? And I could write up a review, put it on BOF. And he's like, yeah, let me email him and ask. And sure enough, Lee was like, told him, yeah. So I had to time it out in downtown Chicago for I have an hour lunch break. <laughs> to get to the shop enough time to interview. I don't know how long the line's going to be or anything like that. And then I got to make it back to work into which it was in October. It was kind of hot. And I shot downtown ended up in the comic shop and I think it was close to wrapping up and there wasn't anybody in line. And I think Lee was packing up his stuff to go. I'm a sweaty mess. I look just like I'm sure all the nerds (laughs) at comic cons look and coming up to people so i just walked right by him i went over to the shelves just collected myself and was like fan of myself like dude just (sighs) so then i walked up to him and i was like lee he's like yeah and i was like i'm ryan i'm i'm with batman on film bill's friend that emailed oh yeah 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 and i was like i heard him say before i even came up to him they had to go catch a flight but he was so awesome and gave me about 15 minutes and just it was supposed to be a limit of three books, and he signed like <laughs> six of my things. <laughs> Ooh, wow. And uh, and damn it, me, I didn't take my Luther and the Before Watchmen books for him to sign, but everything else of his yeah. he signed. And he was awesome, as cool as you could hope that an you know an artist could be that you'd imagine. He gave me his time, uh, and everything. I got a picture with him, so that interview I have it. I'll post it here again, but it's it's on Batman on film. It was he was he was just awesome. Uh, and then I got to actually interview him a few months ago when his Art of Libra Mayo book came out, again, for Batman on film, in which that I brought it up to him. It's like, I'm really sorry, but I just need to tell you, sorry if I came off like a really like out of breath nerd <laughs> in the interview with you and everything. And I said, and I told him the story I just said about getting downtown and all that. And he's like, no, 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 no. I thought you were fine. I felt like I was being rude because I'd 
come up with like a, a, a bug. And I felt really sick. So I just felt like I was short and unfriendly and everything. I'm like, no, 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 you were great. So I feel like Lee and I have a connection now. So, you know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, you hold people in such high regard. Yeah, um, it's scary. You know, they're like... Yeah, and it is. And then you get there and they're, you know, they're just normal people, just, you know, they're exactly. just, most of the time they're just really nice people. And, you know, that that's so cool that he was cool with you, yeah. you know, because like you say, he's one of your favorites. It's like meeting an idol or your hero or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. He was, I mean, he's so chill. He really was. He was so chill and he was cool. I still have, I recorded all the, the interview on my iPhone. I've still got that audio and stuff like that. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. But in that interview, I had asked, of course, you know, I congratulated him, like, congratulations on kicking off the black label which was pretty it was really exciting when the announcement came and then it became mm-hmm. extremely controversial after the release of the first <laughs> issue of damned in which black label so it developed out of joker for those who don't know mm-hmm. bear with me i know i'm talking a lot here and i'll let Emmett talk i swear uh <laughs> and chime in here at any time Emmett. but mm-hmm. joker became in 2008 became such a success written by Azarello, illustrated by Bromejo. It was such a, such a success. DC, it kind of blindsided DC had no idea mm. it was going to be that big. They had no idea that they're, uh, uh, they didn't have plans for a follow-up. So then they were, they instantly were like, well, as is good business, something successful. Well, how do we keep this going? And so Brian and Lee were thinking of a, a follow-up and creating a Joker verse and this line of mature content with DC characters. And then Watchmen came out and kind of bombed and it scared the studio and they basically pumped the brakes mm. on a Jokerverse. So then it was a few years ago, a, a few years prior to Damned coming out that Jim Lee had come back and basically had retitled its black label and said, you guys, I want to revisit this idea in which at that point, Azarello and Bermejo, they had said, well, we do have this supernatural Batman story that we want to tell. And they were off to the races. Whew. Now Batman Damned, number one. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get it out of the way now. Makes all the headlines because we see Bruce Wayne's anatomy. Mm-hmm. In a, uh, it was available, I, I think, I don't know, I don't remember because I thought that they, they released everything fine. The digital version I read uh, early, ha- nothing was blurred out. It was all there. The, mm-hmm. the physical issues that came out we're all there. Did you buy the digital the day it came out? No, I didn't, didn't. get the digital. Okay. So I have no, I have only seen fake pictures fake of pictures. said anatomy. <laughs> okay. And it, I mean, in the, in the scheme, like overall scheme of things, like who cares really in the yep. end? But there was some kind of there, you know, that was, I, I believe AT&T had taken over Warner Brothers. So they were scared mm. for some reason. And almost immediately the book became or it was announced they are not reprinting second editions of this first issue, which then makes the first issue even more of a hot commodity in which by the time I mm-hmm. went back to the comic shop to try and get another, they were, everybody was sold out. Good luck trying to buy one. And I'm like, okay, well I got yep. one. I can't open it again now. Uh, and then they also recolored digital versions. And then in this collected hardcover, it's colored to where, mm-hmm. I mean, Google it. You'll see it if you want to see it and you're interested or anything. But <laughs> that was, unfortunately, that became the headline of Batman Damned and the kickoff to Black exactly. was mm-hmm. this part in which I believe it's Bat Force Radio that Bermejo has been on a, a, a few times in which he even talked about it and how it, it does almost seem like the U.S. is the only country kind of around the world that really gets all hung up about mm-hmm. nudity, especially when it's yep. like illustration. 
and over in Europe, it's like, who gives a shit? And that's kind of how it, I think I, it should for be. Sure. <laughs> and I think at yeah. first for me, upon reading it, I felt like I'd said like, maybe it's unnecessary to have in the book, but also once you start to say things are unnecessary, well then everything is unnecessary. And then you start to mm-hmm. mess with vision. So it, overall, it's just a big, who cares? <sighs> for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, and like you say, it, it took over the story of the book and also yeah. ruined the the marketing for the rest of the book. Like yeah. I've seen quotes yes. where Azarello said that DC basically, you know, stopped promoting it, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the, you know, the the fanfare on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, Black Label, they, they advertise it as an adult, more adult themed story. And because there's, you know, a penis in it, that draws the line. And like, if you compare it to, like the rating systems for movies, um, you know, sex is always a thing that turns it to R, but violence and swearing, you can have those in PG-13, um, right? So I, like, I don't know if it's an American issue. That That's a another, you know, hole, yeah. hole to go down. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a, a, a culture issue um, and a ratings issue. Um, and I, it, you think about it now, and like you say, it's a hot commodity if you get that issue, but it basically killed the entire book. And changed how even black label adult, more adult themed books went going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's no nudity in any black label book that I can think of that's come afterwards. Um, there's swearing and violence for sure, um, but I really can't think of one that has a lot of nudity. Um, and I guess that's just because of this one book and because of one very single simple panel. Yeah, and I I know. So as you said with marketing and how it kind of killed the book, it's also crazy to think of. At that point, I think it was that I know Stephen Colbert, his show mentioned the book. Maybe Seth Meyers did too. And to which it's like, if anything, you've got comics being talked about like in the mainstream mm-hmm. media. Like, mm-hmm. This is great promotion for your book. And instead, it for sure. had the reverse effect because it just seemed like they, can, they pulled the plug and just didn't give a shit about it anymore. And the second issue ended up getting delayed a month. And then the third issue. It, I think, I believe it ended up being five months delayed, in which hmm. it had it it gotten pushed back like a month or something like that, and then something like it just got pulled to where then I didn't even know if it was gonna we were gonna get a finish to the story. Which by the end of you know the second issue, I was completely like, I don't know what the hell is going on. I need a conclusion. <laughs> and yeah. the, and I think on that that podcast episode of Bat Force Radio, Bermejo, he'd explained in detail that the delay came because he had to, I believe, redraw panels in mm. the issue. But I don't remember which panels those were. And so I think he even sounded in that episode that, you know, he was frustrated. He was, Of course, he was professional in talking about it, but definitely seemed like it was a frustrating process in which in the end, it is the whole thing. It's like, it's just a comic book story. <laughs> in mm-hmm. the end, it's a three-issue comic book story. And for some for reason... Sure the the suits that be just it was a whole it was a mess in which i still don't understand why um when morrison's grant morrison's batman stuff gave me bigger headaches (laughs) and issues (laughs) than batman damned did penis included so (laughs) yeah well it's funny too like the 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 week that we're recording this some of the biggest dc comics news of this week is of a sexual nature Mm -hmm. of tim drake being revealed that he's you know bisexual in a comic book so it's it's interesting of the 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 week that we're recording the day that we're recording this and how dc is in the news again in the mainstream media it's on you know new york times i've seen it seen it on cnn about tim drake yeah um it's the same thing with you know uh with damned it was everywhere 
Yeah. Um, different, definitely different. Um, what do you want to say? Vibes of each. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one was for sure positive, and one was negative. So yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oof. But it's like you said, it, it, the way that DC is in the mainstream and not just yeah. talked about by comic people. Um, both the both this week, both Batman titles, and both in um, controversial in their own ways. Uh, certain certain uh, setting. Absolutely. So. We got the origins. We got the headlines. Now, how about the damn story itself? Can, let's <laughs> let's make some sense out of this. So, this plays as a sequel to Joker, basically, and mm-hmm. how you could say probably moments. Uh, I don't know minutes, moments after the end of that story. It's we find Batman in an ambulance, in which he's trying to, uh, I think, trying to comprehend what happened, in which. If you didn't read Joker, they do help you show you what happened in falling off of a bridge <laughs> into mm-hmm. water into mm-hmm. somebody who should be dead, but instead is he's not. And the story just kind of takes off from there of, I mean, it's dark. It's supernatural. Uh, I There's a narrator who we don't really know who the narrator is for a while, but then we end up hearing or seeing that the narrator is Constantine. He's not the only member of Justice League Dark that we see in this. We also see Dead Man, Zatanna, Etrigan, Swamp Thing, and Spectre. Um, mm-hmm. What do you? I mean, to try take it away if you if you want here. Like, what is the point of this story? Like, where? What are what are we establishing? Where are we headed? What's the idea here? Yeah, so I think we're headed towards an idea that Batman and the life that he chose to live. Mm-hmm isn't the best life for him as a person or, or for the, the city of Gotham city. Um, he's done bad things. He's doing bad things and he will do bad things in the future. Um, and he isn't accountable for those things as well. Um, he's kind of, uh, his own judge, jury and executioner. He gets to decide how far he wants to go or how far he doesn't want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's not a straight line path, you know, it you know as he mentioned as Constantine mentions in the story you know he's he, he's better than that guy over in Metropolis the the Krypton guy but is he really like he's not a good person Batman himself he's broken he's as we see from his past in this story um, it's not the nicest of of backstories um, you know he didn't have the best life uh, as a kid he, you know his parents weren't those nice shiny Waynes that we know and have seen in a number of different stories. Um, so I, I guess the point of the story for me is that Batman is not without uh, judgment mm-hmm. of his own actions that he takes day in and day out fighting crime in a city that he loves more than anything in the world. Nailed it, because that's actually upon re- researching a little bit and reading some interviews of this story before tonight's episode was or the recording was that Azarello, that's kind of that's a story that he wanted to tell that he wanted to dig into. He wanted to do and it, uh, Bermeo is right there with him because they're quite a collaborative force. And they do, they work together. It's not that one person comes to the other with the idea and they're like, it's my idea. They're, they're pretty much in unison here. And they both wanted to basically touch on something that hasn't been said before with Batman. And they, they love the nightmare aspect of it. So this is kind of like a nightmare. This is a horror story in a sense with Batman and the, almost the identity crisis of Batman, which yes, we've seen before, but here of we're used to a uh, a perfect Batman, 
he's always got plan B's and plan C's. And they're like, what if every single mm-hmm. move he makes is wrong? And he, he like, he's kind of powerless. And that really interested them in a, in the story. And I guess it, it's, I think I enjoy reading this story each time that I do, even though I don't know what's going on because, because <laughs> it's kind of so ambiguous. I do pick up on something or have a different interpretation each time of even the smallest the smallest things. And so you said with the backstory, one thing that's never changed though, is the backstory and how Thomas and Martha Wayne are not the, the perfect rich couple. My preference mm-hmm. is that they are the perfect rich couple. And I apologize as <laughs> I've said this tons of times on the show before, but Bruce's story is more effective when they are perfection and then they were mm-hmm. killed. That's just my preference. And we're talking about one small little thing of, Thomas Wayne apparently cheated on Martha Wayne. Mm-hmm. That can totally fit in a timeline. Like, you know, and we just hasn't been told before. You can choose to believe it or not if you want to. And Azarello even said that he wanted this story to be, and he likes to write stories that are, if you read Batman Damned, you didn't have to read anything that's come before in Batman or anything after. So this story mm-hmm. should be kind of self-contained in which, yes, it's a sequel to Joker, but you don't even have to, read joker to know what's going mm-hmm. on here it and i think that totally works and that's his also his approach to each of the justice league dark characters that he introduces too is you don't necessarily need to know their backstories either so i don't like the dirtiness of the waynes but and i also oh i left out enchantress too uh enchantress mm-hmm. is in here and i don't like the dirtiness <laughs> of the waynes in this but i can kind of just say that small aspect of like kind of whatever I don't know how that affects, I guess, what to you, what would that the use of that be for this story? Why, does, why is that included in this story? Because like, maybe that's why I, I can't grasp a point, per se. Sure, well, it, it, it goes into the fact that he wasn't a happy kid, and that's why the Enchantress is there to begin with. Okay. You know, she wants to... She wants to take his his tears, you know, his sadness. And he doesn't have that sadness if his parents are, you know, the parents from Batman Begins, True. you know, or or whatever. So his his home life has to be broken because in this story, Azarello and Bermejo want him to be unhappy as a kid. They don't want him to be the shining star. That That's where I see it. And, and I think it is a striking image every time I come across it, too, that even though he's he's playing Lone Ranger and even though it's a, right. a fake plastic gun that he puts that up against the back of his mom's head and he pulls Mm -hmm. the trigger. Uh, That is definitely a heavy image. It always works for me just in the sense of an image of a gun to a head at all is, is striking, but then that directly can just tie into Bruce Wayne's history and his animosity towards guns. So I think that's, yeah, I love that. And that can totally work. Of like, oh yeah, that's Bruce Wayne and Batman anti-gun. Sure, he did do that, not knowing what it meant as a kid, and it scared the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I lo- like, I love that. I love the, um, like you said, you can read this Batman story and not read any more Batman story. You get an origin. You get, um, you know, or his his how his parents die mm-hmm. is a little bit different. We see how his his home life is, and, and yeah, that like no guns thing. I really like that. I you don't see that. In a lot of comics, why he chooses not to have guns, we kind of just assume it's, you know, a Joe Chill thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his parents died by a gun, so it's his own, um, 
you know, fleeting moment to to make that choice. But finding a different reason was good. And you're right. The 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 shock value of it, I guess I would say, yeah. is pretty strong. Like we know it's a, a toy gun. That's mm-hmm. not the point. Um, yeah. I like as a as a as a kid or as a a father with a young kid, we play toy guns all the time. Mm-hmm. But if he were to say, you know a more scary thing like daddy i want you to die while he, while he's doing it or something like that it makes it more real and more shocking yeah um and you can see how affected martha is and how affected martha is is, is returned back on bruce because that's when he says to himself or he draws back to himself when he gets older this is why i'm not going to have guns mm-hmm. this is why no guns so again the the, the reason his parents or his parents are uh, bad people and he had a bad, bad life because of it. But the reason because of all that is why he became Batman, you know, without it in this story, he's not the Batman that we see by the end of it, the beginning, the middle, whichever way you want to look at the story. So would you say with that, do you think Enchantress is the villain of the story then? She, she's not a villain because she didn't do anything wrong. Okay. In her eyes, I think um, by the end of it, she, you know, she does. She, I, the way I am interpreted the book, like you said, you don't know what's happening in this book. Mm-hmm. I don't know either, but I like <laughs> to make my own guesses. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, Batman. She, she was trying to do good by him. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I don't know why she was trying to do this, but I will take away your tears and give you no fear. That's fine. But then by the end of it, Bruce Wayne, Batman, doesn't agree to those terms. And she thus kills his parents. I think that's how it works. So she's a villain, yes, but uh, I think she has a sentimental side to her, where she was, she followed her rules, the rules of the game, all the way up until the end. And Batman, on the flip side, did not follow the rules, did not agree to the to the rules laid out um, by their trade or their transaction or whatever. Steep man, it's deep. Well, it, it is. Deep. <laughs> It is deep, and I'm not that's, smart that's enough. Like, I'm just not smart enough. I'm to not saying it. any of that is right. Okay, that it sure. may be deep, but it could be a hundred percent wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like you said it at, like at the top, and we'll say it a bunch of times. Not knowing in this story is okay because you have conversations like this, or you read articles, or you read the book again, you read the book again, yeah. and you find something new in it every time. And I, in that regard, Azarello definitely accomplished his mission because in that one interview, I believe it was with screen rant uh, talking about this story. He'd said that he doesn't, he loves open for interpretation. He, and I think Bermejo said it in, in that art of Lee Bermejo book too, of they, they, neither of them want to, they don't want to tell you Emmett Davis, what you should get mm-hmm. out of this, what you should take out of this. There's no fun in that for them. So open-ended mm-hmm is is what they prefer and Azarella had mentioned that you know a handful of people he could ask and each one has a different uh interpretation of this book so i think that that's definitely valid for how especially with enchantress all all i know is that of the character is that she dances funny in a 2016 movie and that's (laughs) that's that's all i know about enchantress as a character So here she Mm -hmm. definitely looks creepy and she's a witch. And I know she's enchantress because she looks like it. And then I think it's even referred to in this. And that's the weird. (laughs) Yeah. That is a weird thing in it. Yeah. Aside from Constantine and uh, dead man, Mm -hmm. I don't think any of, well, Zatan is uh, named, but you know, Edgerton's uh, named, I think a little bit in the concert, but I don't know if the specter is named. 
Um, no, and I yeah, it's, it's an interesting. Go ahead. And you have to kind of put it together. You know, he's wearing green, mm-hmm. and all these other members of the Justice League darker here. So, you know, I I didn't know that I, when I finished the story for the first or the second time, I still didn't know what he was and or why I was he was so important uh, to the story. But reading and finding out that it's um, you know the Spectre is really interesting. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, if Enchantress is the villain, I think Constantine's the villain. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. says that the whole in their whole uh kind of showdown at the graveyard um you know batman says it a whole bunch nobody enjoys constantine <laughs> and you know in in a lot of the you know the reviews for the book that i read um actually leading up to this a lot of people didn't like his his heavy narration okay um like you said you don't know who it is at the start of the book mm-hmm. i think it's you know five maybe six pages in you kind of realize oh it's not batman narrating his own story it's john constantine and that's when you really get the switch from you know this isn't just a batman story it's a it's a you know a jld and batman story yeah so you hmm, that's interesting because i've see i need to read this like three more times one time read enchantress is not the villain another time read that constantine is the villain and then uh come back and just read it with no agenda and see what I, what I get out of it there. Uh, the swamp thing pages are cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask your opinion here of, I mean, so Harley Quinn, she is not dealing with Joker's death very well. Nope. Uh, she's dressed like him and in a, a quick expo- or like exposition page, uh, you see that she whacks Batman upside the head. She's her hair now is mm-hmm. green. She, her face is painted like Joker's. She's wearing his purple trench coat, but otherwise she's got her usual her usual costume on. And then, and again, it. I think you're led to believe one thing on what happens between the two, but it's also left mm-hmm. open for interpretation. In which I've tried to, I think I've tried to think about this from different from different angles, not literally, mm-hmm. but like the, <laughs> in the story beats, because it, it looks like at one point she, obviously she, she sits on facing him and she unzips and you see mm-hmm. that she is uh, sewed up right in the middle, which that's a disturbing mm-hmm. image. She undoes his belt and then it, he chokes her. And then you can see that he's kind of between, he's somewhat between like straddling her a little bit choking her up against the the bat signal and enchantress is in the water puddle below and that's the mm-hmm. end of issue two so you can understand a five-month wait for issue three was driving me freaking crazy and like i don't understand what's going <laughs> on and then the next book yep. page opens as a you know basically it's kill bill volume three of batman in the coffin underground <laughs> and so there's just for me it's and still now i don't understand let's see what you have to say of what happened here well it's really interesting to try and you know you mentioned how like the end of issue two and then the start of issue three there's a bunch of times in this book where it feels like this is the end of the issue and then you pick up on the very next page somewhere completely different yeah i agree um it's it's really interesting how that works um you know all the way back to you know issue one where he he gets attacked in quotation marks by his suit and he's Mm -hmm. on the ground and then the next issue he's on the street dressed like a hobo like yeah how how did he get there how did he get from off the ground weeping uh to out on the streets so at the end of issue two yes he's 
attacking Harley Quinn in some way. And then I assumed that he was going to kill her, that he was just beating her up. And then, you know, she was going to do some sort of weird sex um, murder fantasy thing. Um, and he stopped that. He awoke from like, he. if you see, she injects a needle into his neck. Yes. And he goes kind of woozy after that. So, and then when you, again, you pick up in the next one and he's in the bottom of the coffin. So what I assumed happened up until that point, up until we see John Constantine a couple pages later was that Batman eventually passes out from his, you know, his drug overdose or whatever she put him in. And then Harley buries him thinking that he's dead for some kind of symbolism towards uh, him uh, killing um, the Joker, which is what he's, his whole mission is here. Um, But then as John Constantine comes up later, he's kind of doing his snarky thing in the, in the graveyard, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of battling back and forth between the swamp thing and Batman. And he says, you know, I I snatched the, the belt Miss Quinn took from your waist before you and she, well, dot, dot, dot. And then he offers and he says, fancy a cigarette as in after you have intercourse with a woman, you have a smoke afterwards. Um, But it doesn't make any sense in this story. Um, Like you said, maybe uh, later on in issue three, they redrew something. They altered some kind of writing where it draws back to this. But unless Batman was asleep at the time, which is also possible, which I didn't think about till just right now. I, I, I don't think that Batman either had sex with Harley Quinn or raped her under his own volition, his mm-hmm. own uh, misgiving. So in the turn, now that I'm thinking about it, he fell asleep attacking her. She had sex with him and then she buried him like she was originally going to do in the first place. So that's how I see that moment happening. Again, I don't know why it was. I, I guess I don't. I guess I get why it wasn't shown. Yeah, that's an unshowable thing. Um, You know, a rape in a in a. DC comic story. Yeah. You can't have that at all. So I get why it wasn't shown if that's what it was. I mean, again, that's left open for interpret. Now I want to see what go back and, and see if Vermeo uh, explained a little more in detail of what needed mm-hmm. redrawn. Cause that would make total sense that that was the initial mm-hmm. panel. And then they, they got all scared and were like, Nope, you need to redraw all this. But yeah, or and and, it, and if you and if you if you change nothing from issue two, but then if you're making changes for issue three, you think you take out the line of Constantine saying that. Yeah. So there's not even an assumption. So maybe you just assume that all Batman is doing is attacking her and beating her up. Like why why leave that one in there and then yeah. maybe take something out? I, I wouldn't get that. So in in that regard, to add to how you said that some or the people who say that Constantine's kind of the villain here, I guess he is the man of no action. He stood back and let. All of the, apparently he was a witness to it by that one word bubble mm-hmm. of his di- or dialogue sure. bubble that he's he stood watch on all of it to where I guess it is like well then what are you doing what is your purpose here other than just kind of standing by uh, for sure and it's more frustrating by the end of the story when he's he knows exactly where Batman has to go he's known it since the start of the book but he didn't tell him, you know, he, he gave him this merry ride to where he had to go see Edrogen and Zatanna. And, you know, you know, and you see him in the graveyard here, he's wearing the, the Zorro mask, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of taunting taunting, Batman as he was a kid. Right. Like he likes it. Everyone's (laughs) mad at him. Nobody (laughs) likes him. So I, I I think that's the clearest observation I had for him being the villain. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think Azarello said something up there. They initially were having like a Justice League dark sort of 
uh, story. Three, just like Batman, initial idea, they, they had a Justice League dark, dark story. And I don't know if that was it or if it was like in that story or Justice League Dark comic they got announced or something and that Constantine was leading the pack and Azarello was just so like, that's just a dumb idea to me because why would Constantine <laughs> lead a group? It sounds like yeah. nobody would want to join a group where he's the head of the group because he they're bound to die. They're just going to die from that. And I'm, I don't have a whole lot of a lot of exposure to Constantine either. I, I missed the show when it was on. I did watch the mm-hmm. Reeves movie once. Um, I think I enjoyed it, but I just don't remember it. And I only know of Constantine when, you know, when he pops into a Batman story, unfortunately. And then, well, the, the Black Label, funny enough, the Black Label story last year. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah, from Tom Taylor. Yes, that one was awesome, I thought. Yep. But that's mm-hmm. my exposure to Constantine. So I don't know much. I just assume he's a hero, but apparently not <laughs> yeah you, and everything that i've seen him he's always causing trouble yes um, in in some way he, but he's always the smartest guy in the room too hmm. um he knows more than anybody and he's just as cocky about it as somebody would be if they knew everything in the world mm-hmm. um you know in this story he runs away from from trouble when it, it's happening in the cemetery um you know he and he knows the answers all the way but then in the end, mm-hmm. um, he makes a, a, you know, a pretty big thing by, you know, he shoots Enchantress and, you know, that's the end of her. He's had enough of her uh, talking and, and infecting or who he think is uh, he thinks is infecting Batman and Bruce Wayne and, you know, has affected the story all the way through. So in the end, he actually does. I don't want to say it's heroic, um, but I guess compared into this story, comparatively, it's maybe one of the most heroic things we we see in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, since you just. That you're mentioning at the end, what? So let's explain. Explain this. Uh, I do good <laughs> with interpretation sometimes, and other times I'm just lost. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird for a story <laughs> that I do like that I feel so lost on this. But they go and see Satana, mm-hmm. which I, I like. Uh, I like this version of Satana. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's cool. Of course, she's in the the dark arts, but it's it's with. Uh, not witchcraft. Like, what would you demonology? Uh, <laughs> yeah, demonology is a good option for sure. <laughs> they, they bring up little Bruce Wayne and just kind of transfer Batman's what soul back to the night of the murder. Is yeah, that how you took that? Uh, that's that's how it. Yeah, soul. I I didn't think of soul, but I just thought yes, he's going back to the the, the beginning of the murder. And they talk that pretty much that whole thing as soon as they sit down is is the line between life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's at the table. That's what it is. Batman lives. And this young Bruce Wayne died that night when his parents were, were murdered as well. So it's, yeah. And he's going back to, to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I, I think what he's seeing is that Enchantress was the reason behind the parents dying. Obviously we see, I think it's a couple pages back. The reason why Bruce runs down that dark alleyway is because he's chasing after yeah. a young enchantress. Um, yeah, it's it's like a, a Christmas Carol type of thing, you know, taking you back to your past so you can right your wrongs. In which Constantine shoots and kills enchantress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I, I don't know. Where, you had it, where I should have gone long ago to the morgue. So Batman ends up going to the morgue 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm quickly trying to read here. <laughs> in which that's where the specter is, mm-hmm. and it seems like he has a flashback of the Joker, his fight with the Joker at the end of Joker. But then, man, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> like, okay, so back. Here's what here's what I got. Batman and Joker are fighting. Okay. Joker is or Batman has a stab in the side of his belly. Yes. Where he expects that he will not survive from it. Yes. Okay. The Joker is hanging from the end of the bridge, and Batman says to himself, If I die, I can't let the Joker still be alive. I because there's nobody to keep the Joker in check yeah. if I'm not around. So then he says, I'll let him fall. Mm-hmm. And if he falls from this height into the water, he will die. I will die on the bridge and that'll be the end of it. Which as is against Batman's rule of, or if that's, if this book has the same rule as we think Batman does about no killing, the specter sees this and judges Batman on this and says, you don't get to decide. You are supposed to be a good person. You're supposed to be the, you know, the, the knight of Gotham city and you did not save the Joker. And because of that, he, Bat, when Joker hits the water and well, when we see Batman get sucked into the, into the, whatever those things are on the wall at a morgue, mm-hmm. he, Batman is accepting that he did wrong, that he should have saved the Joker. Um, you know, as, as he says at the end of the story, <laughs> I wish he were still alive. Um, so he didn't have to make the choice. Um, so Joker falls off the bridge, hits the water. Batman goes into this morgue thing and he wakes up inside the Joker. Batman is now the Joker and he has to live as the Joker because the the thing that Batman hates the most is the Joker. So his punishment for letting Joker die, according to the Spectre, is to live his life as the Joker now. Woo! Hot damn! <laughs> I mean... I'm not a I'm not like, a dumb comic book reader, but I just I can't for some reason. Maybe part of me is just is not wanting to accept what a story is. Well, that's that, well, that's true. Like comic books can be just fun, yeah, and goofy, and you know, 1966 Adam West. But I, sometimes I love they're this but, too. But that's why I've been in such a, a kick of I love the mature stories. I mean, Bermeo's stuff is dark, and I love the dark. Mm-hmm. Like I do love mature storytelling. I just couldn't interpret this, but that's a well, That's it takes a, great... a while to, to get it. And like as you're reading the story, it's also it's it's not the easiest read. Um, you know, it's not there's no word bubbles. Um, there's no standard standard panel placement page layouts. Um, and with Constantine's narration, mm-hmm. which is not the easiest to read also, he speaks in jumbled sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're reading the Enchantress, she speaks in, um, you know, shortened words where she leaves out words. And then we get Satana, where obviously she speaks backwards. Um, so it's not the easiest read. So even reading it once, twice, three, four, five times, you may not get it. Um, and it helps to read about it. You know, yeah. it helps to read other people talk about it. It helps to watch other people talk about it. Um, because, like I said, this may be as deep as possible. I could be completely wrong with what is happening in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be wrong because, you know, that it's your own, own inter- interpretation of it. So it's, I always noticed 
in which it's it's obvious too of that retelling at the beginning of the end of Joker and you see mm-hmm. it's Batman falling from the bridge and then obviously it's the same almost the same exact panel at the end and you know oh that's not Batman anymore that's Joker so I think mm-hmm. that that would always trip me up of of that but I do just I do love Bermeo's rendition of the killing joke there on that last page. I think it's awesome. Well, sure. Awesome. And, and you, <laughs> yeah. And you hear about the killing joke all the way back at the start. Um, I think it's the first page, maybe the second one where it's the line about the, the two criminals on top of this. Yes. Uh, and they mentioned the flashlight. Uh, yeah. And he says, reminds uh, me of an old joke, something to do with the insanity and a beam of light. Not much on the details. Exactly. The punchline though. It's about a fall. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's really interesting, the killing joke um, aspects of yes. it. Um, that's, it's a really cool thing. Um, you know, it makes you wonder about what kind of verse this is in. Obviously, you know, Azarello's kind of got a, kind of his own verse. Um, like you said, they were trying to do the Joker verse yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, I really love the crypto, um, the killing joke, uh, you know, commonality between, you know, the very first page and it, the very, well, basically the last page. There's one more at the end. Um but yeah, the second to last page. I love the I love the commonality between the two. Yeah, and uh, one last thing before we get into the art of Bermejo here is I really like this Etrigan. I've never really been a fan of Etrigan. Mm. I haven't read a ton, <laughs> but it would just it would just get a little annoying to me with his whole deal. And that's a me thing. It's not that I think that it's a bad character or anything. It's just not my style. But I. I do like this interpretation of it and that whole, yeah, uh, that whole rap scene and whatnot and how he's got everybody <laughs> like he's got them. I don't know. His, warped. to you know, to do his bidding at, <laughs> like that they'll yeah. do, they all pull out their guns and aim them at Batman when they, when mm-hmm. he said so and all that. And I just think that's effective. And this is like also the first time I can understand what the hell he's saying because <laughs> he's rapping it. I don't know. Sure. Well, yeah, it's interesting too because Dead Man looks like Dead Man. Yeah. Swamp Thing looks like Swamp People or Swamp uh, Swamp Thing, and same with uh, Constantine, Satana. Um, you know, and he's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And it, obviously, it makes sense in this world. They're trying to tell a real, more real world story than what Justice League Dark actually is. Um, yeah, I thought I think it's fun. You know, that whole club scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just, it's, it's always funny to think of Batman walking into <laughs> one of those places, mm-hmm. and you know, the whole place is just vibrating, and there's. Uh, flashing lights everywhere and people grinding up against each other. It just—it would be a funny scene to to see that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as for Bermeo himself, um, he's pretty good. Sure. Yeah. Not bad. He's all right. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, uh, he's great. Um, obviously, um, you know he's one of your favorites. He's you know become one of my favorites, and I really love seeing his work um, on the variants or the second covers to Detective Comics yeah. right now. I think they're outstanding. Don't you wish that like, I wish I had known about Five N that I knew yeah. this was a long time commitment because then I would have gotten I every single freaking one. But by the time I, I realized that, I'm like, well, I can't even I can't mm-hmm. find the other ones now. I'm not going to yeah, start. Oh no, never. I, yeah. It's, it's too bad. You know, it, 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 I didn't know it was a long-term thing either, but then now you think about it, like I know uh, Alex Ross was on Captain America for what seemed forever for Marvel. And he did the covers for them too. And seeing Lee still doing it with DC. And I think, you know, Lee, and I've talked about this with uh, Chris Evans from let's go. Um, Lee's better and surpassed Alex Ross to me as, you know, the all time, all time best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love that he colors as well. I have a huge affinity for artists who do more than just pencils yeah. and they color as well and they ink and they shade and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, 
I love seeing his work all the time. I'm glad he's still with DC and still doing, you know, covers is fine. We'll take covers, but you know, and then in damned, you know, it's a tour de force Mm -hmm. for, for, for Lee, you know, like I said about the panel placement and the page structure, no page is the same. No panel is the same. Mm -hmm. You can tell that, you know, maybe he needed those extra five months, like just to, you know, clean up uh, three because there was so much changed and, you know, there's so much detail in his work. Um, yeah, I love the, I love the, I don't know if it's, it, it's chaos. It's like structured chaos is his, is his art. I think just because of the amount of stuff that goes into every page, every weird looking panel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love thinking about panel structure and, you know, grids um, and stuff like that and how it reads on a page. Um, this certainly helps that it's an oversized. Yeah. Um, the hardcover and the uh, the single issues, I think, you know, on a standard format comic, it wouldn't work as well. Um, so it definitely helps here, I, I lo- um, especially the colors. I love this format. For yep. I, I try to get, I missed out on, let's see, what was it? Uh, I missed out on the question and I missed out on mm. Wonder Woman uh, Dead Earth. Otherwise, yep. the other Black Label series that have come out in this format, I've snagged the issues because I just, I just really love this format in which Bermeo even said that that, this worked in his benefit for sure. It works for the artist's benefit and he liked this one. And uh, I mean, I echo everything you said about his work in this book. I still think Noel is a little Mm -hmm. bit better than this. Um, But I mean, also I just did it. So shame on me. I was going to say, but why do you you don't even have to compare? You can just say, yeah, he's just great. So I just contradicted yeah. myself, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think he, well, it's, it, yeah, and those are two different uh, color palettes too. Yeah. You know, Noel's much more gray, white, um, you know, damned has a ton of orange, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think that's in relation to, you know, Batman's living hell on earth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love the, I love the, the flashbacks, how it changes colors um, to give us more of a, a, a grain style to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and his character designs, like I said, aside from, you know, Etrigan, it's kind of its own thing. Like he draws a killer swamp thing. Yeah. Like that, like he's big. He's like, he's more than big. He's humongous and he's scary looking. He, he's- and the way he talks, like, um, uh, I don't know who's, I don't know. I'd have to look to who the letterer was on this one. Um, maybe he is, well, somebody, he's not the letterer, but, um, I love the letters. Um, I love the word bubbles and I love the different variations of them too. Um, you know, swamp things is orange. Uh, Enchantress is black. Um, you know, Zatanna's obviously got hers um, going backwards. Um, Edrogen's got his more in like an italic format. Um, and same with uh, the Spectre, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a different, I love, I love the technical aspects of books. And like you said, black label, if they're three, if they're three issues, I think they should all be in this format um, to make up for it only being three issues and not you know, like a standard six, 12 uh, series. I'm trying to find, I did ask him about, um, his favorite to draw in DC is the Joker, but he said it changes all the time. Um, he enjoyed Dead Man a lot. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan of Etrigan, and he loved being able to draw Swamp Thing because he's a he's a huge Swamp Thing fan. And at the time of the interview, I said, if there's anyone left that you haven't drawn that you think you'd like to tackle, who would it be? And he said, bizarro. He'd love to do a bizarro. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, man, you got me do a bizarro Mm -hmm. story. And I will be there day one to, to read it. And I mean, it's off, it's off topic, but for the, the recent Marvel book, I know that he did, um, he did silver surfer. 
the Silver Surfer mm. short story. I don't know if you've read that one yet, but I mean, I didn't see that one. No, it's in black, black, white, and gray, but it's oh, okay. um, it's gorgeous. Go figure. I think he wrote and drew that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, echo everything you say. I like, I like definitely. We saw in Luther started the comic photorealistic blending mm-hmm. and yep. a little bit more photorealistic in Joker. And then Noel just seemed all photorealistic. And I think that's been right. his style since, because this whole book beginning to end is that, is that very mm-hmm. realistic look. And I really like, I just really like what he, I like that approach more. I think, I think his work is just top notch when he does that. Cause it's just, it's just jaw dropping when you see his freaking covers and stuff too. And, it's just like, damn, that dude. <laughs> it's like, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, the covers are outstanding. Yeah. Um, I love all three of them. I think my favorite might be the Harley one in the middle. I love the the paint on her face and the hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that where it kind of goes to where I'm going to go with, uh, you know, how much I adore Lee is, is in his facial work mm-hmm. that he does. You know, as much as this is a very sad story, Bruce Wayne is very sad. You can see it in his eyes. Yeah. I think the eyes are very good. Um, you know, and I, I think he's got you know, probably the best looking Batman, one of the best Batman costumes. Um, and I love very early on when Bruce is walking through the, the Batcave, you get to see kind of a hint of um, there's four of them mm-hmm. and it's got one with the yellow oval and, you know, it looks like the new 50 suit suits in there. Um, you know, I love his suit. Um, I love the car. Uh, if you look past um, Bruce Wayne, uh, you can see a nice look, sleek looking uh, car there. Um, the cave isn't, I wish we got a, bigger shot of the cave yeah um just just to get a, a shot of that but you know I, lo- I love the way he draws human beings <laughs> aside from you know buildings and textures and um more uh, technical aspects but and even like when you go into to into wayne manor mm-hmm. where he's sitting and sitting in the chair there you know it, it looks very deep it looks big um i love his depth of uh, of color um i think that really lends to a story and i still love to see you know, uh, or I love to look at the the back of the book where you get uh, all the stuff without the color. Yes, um, you get a little bit of. I love I love seeing artists work um, that hasn't been colored yet or shaded or inked or anything like that. I think it really adds to how great artists are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And how you'd said with the with the covers, mm-hmm. a lot of times variant covers are supposed to be the ones that you go after that you love and you want yeah, those no. in. The variants here provided are from Jim frickin' Lee. I know. And it's like, <laughs> no, I'm good. I like the I like the main covers yeah. that, that Vermeo did. They're just they're just better. I mean that's that's telling in itself too. For sure. It it doesn't help. Like some of them are really weird too. Jim didn't do stay pretty strict. I think there's one where it's like a furry kind of swamp thingy Batman. Yeah. Um I that one again, Jim Lee, you gotta love him, but even just the the subject matter that he tried to do with the variant covers, I don't think worked. Um, I, I, the ver- the covers are so good, and you know, I'm trying to track down the single issues. I've I've only got issue number two. Yeah, <laughs> out of out of the search so far, and you know, I'm gonna keep good trying luck. just to get them. You'll get them. Yeah, I know. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to get a second job. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <to> get them. <laughs> well, I also the unused cover to number two by Vermejo and where it's like the bat that's stitched on Bruce's chest. Right. That's, oh, that's yeah. haunting as hell. And I'm like, yeah, why wasn't that a cover? I'd have tracked that down too. <laughs> and then the character, yeah. it just says character sketch by Vermejo of Batman and dead man. And I'm like, 
Why aren't those mm-hmm. covers? I'd hunt those down too because yeah. I think those are. I mean, we just see from basically their chins down, but it's still, it just looks good. It's like, well, it's because I like Bermejo. <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's all me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, the, the black label, it deserves good covers. Sure. It, it deserves the big format. It deserves the big artists. And, you know, people will pay a premium yep. for this stuff. Like Absolutely. I tried to find the, the unrated first issue and it's around $90 Canadian here. Um, if I bought it off of eBay, mm-hmm. um, to buy it in a store, if you can find it, it's more, um, you know, I know some people who have, you know, they, at the time they knew it was going to be big and their, their shop had some, so they just bought as many as they could just to have them. I wish I would you know. have been smarter. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, well, let's, let's get into some of the, the famous Batman book club questions. So. Emmett, what is your favorite part of Batman Damned? Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one because, like I said, the book stops and starts every couple of pages, so there's kind of no um, cohesiveness with uh, a, a long form story where Batman stays in one place at one time. But one of the longest places he stays in one is one time, and it's only four pages, is when he's going into the burning building mm-hmm. right after um, coming out of the the club uh, with Edrogen. He he goes in there with Deadman, who's accompanying some. A hobo, I think, or maybe just somebody from the uh, from the the club, and he, they go into the burning building. And like I said, there's a lot of orange in this book, and I think it relates to Batman being in his own living hell. But this a, it's a pretty contained little spot where I love that he goes in after, and he has this kind of interaction with Spectre, and it's the first time Spectre kind of says anything of of meaningful of of note. Um, you know, it's where you you really get the idea of where this story was going. Um, you know, he talks about Batman being saved. Um, and he, he knows what you did. I know what you did is what he says. And, you know, Batman's trying to get him to tell him what he did. And, you know, it really, it, it again, the, the series, the whole series is so weird that as soon as that big action scene ends by a crash and the very next page is young Bruce Wayne walking with his mother, uh, to go and look at pictures of, I assume, um, Thomas Wayne sleeping with uh, another woman. So it's so strange, but this is the one of the longest aside from one of the other longest one is the ones in the, the cemetery, mm-hmm. which is again, another great action scene with different, uh, a different color palette, more green, more grays. Um, but this short little spot is, you know, one of my favorite, I think it's my favorite. It's again, it's the one where Batman spends the most time. So that's where I got to see Batman doing Batman things. Also one of the times he's only being, a, you know, being a hero, um, where he's trying to do the right thing. And then obviously when he gets in there, he sees the specter and it, it kind of changes and really moves the story along uh, really nicely. Actually, I think. I, this is tough. <laughs> it is. It's very tough. It's, it's tough because I just feel the next read after this discussion, my answer is going to change. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm right. going to read this book differently. I mean, like I always do anyway, but I'm definitely going to read it differently next time around the ending is just is powerful to me of the sense of bruce's shot too uh the young bruce and Mm -hmm. like the haunting image of his parents the really graphic image of his parents sitting there and enchantress holding him and then batman on the next page with his parents like 
I'm not morbid enough to be like, man, that's my favorite part. <laughs> but as far as like striking and powerful part, like, yeah, that's, that's up there. But I think I almost feel like uh, it might be the nightclub with Etrigan. Mm-hmm. There's just something that is, and a part of it is like what you'd said of, of the Batman in a nightclub is just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of cool. It makes me think of the dark Knight when he goes to Maroney's club, exactly. you know, yep. and just kicks ass <laughs> and everything in a nightclub. That's, that's cool. Uh, him in the, him in the cave, just cause the atmosphere of the cave and stuff is cool. But mm-hmm. I, I think in the end it'll be the nightclub. The yeah. Night. I love that nightclub scene. Like I said, it's Batman doing a Batman type of thing. He's being a detective. He's trying to, to figure something out. And like uh, throughout this entire book, Batman is not the world's greatest detective. Mm-mm. He has no idea what's going on. He makes a number of wrong choices. Um, he hangs around with some very subject type of people. Yeah. Um, you know, bad things happen to him. Um, you know, it's 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 nice to see him do Batman things in this book. Like I said, it's nice to, for him to go into that burning building trying to save somebody. It's it's cool that he goes into a nightclub trying to find something out. Yeah. Trying to find out who killed the Joker. Where's the Joker? Um, you know, it's amplified by him. You know, just busting a move for a half a second when his jam comes that's on. Right. Right? Yeah, he does. you know what? That's a banger. <laughs> um, that's what he should have said. Yeah. That's a banger. <laughs> this song's a banger. Uh, how about a favorite panel? Uh, this, so this is a tough one because, again, the panel placement is really weird in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of my favorite pages, I'll cheat a sure. little bit, um, is the one where he's sitting at the chair just after talking to the Satana and he's kind of laid out and he's got smoke coming from his mouth. Um, and the, uh, the word bubble says, be afraid. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really, really cool. Um, but if I'm, if I'm going to stick to what I, uh, to the question is the panel, it's the very last panel of the book. Joker. The page is a panel. Technically it's, I mean, it's a whole page. It's one panel. That is one panel. It just takes up the whole page. So that counts. But if you want to go ahead and say (laughs) another, go for it. Yeah, the other one is just the last panel of the the very last page of the story, which is Bat or with Joker on his head, mm-hmm. hands on his head, with him looking exactly like Lee's Joker does. Um, I think it's colored perfect. You still get the green of the hair. Yeah. Um, you get the uh, the Joker smile. Um, you get those Killing Joke vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's probably my favorite of of the whole one. If if I had to pick a smaller panel instead of a full page. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff, even though I didn't understand the stuff with Enchantress. Like you said, those, a lot of that, the, the coloring scheme, like that changed to a gray and black and stuff and that, all of that's really eerie and really cool. But I think mine's definitely when he's in the cave with the suit, um, and he says yeah. no, and he's in the fetal position in front of it. I know he's naked, but also I don't care. You can take away the, the no bubble and that makes it even better. The lighting of mm-hmm. the suit, but that to me, some stories, they, it does work for me if it's written well of like almost like the curse of him having to be Batman. And I think that's, that's right. what yep. this image right here resembles. And I think it it packs a punch with it. Uh, it can make you think, but also just looking at it, it just looks freaking awesome. For sure. You know, that, that's this is the whole story. Batman is damned to be Batman. Oh. But he's also he's cursed by being Batman, and he's scared of what it's made him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's he's scared of who he is now because he's Batman. Um, so yeah, I love the imagery behind it. Um, 
yeah, I think it's perfect. Like you said, the lighting with the red at the top and then the the white light shooting up from the bottom, like that's outstanding. And like I said, that bat suit is wicked. <laughs> wicked. Wicked. Would you like to see this in animated form somehow? Adapted? No, not 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 at all. Not at um, all. I don't think DC would ever want to see this in an animated <laughs> form also. Um, no, I don't think it would work at all because in any of the animated movies that I've seen, they always change the art style. Um, you know, unless it's, um, you know, year one was pretty close. Um, Dark Knight Returns was close. But then I think of like the long Halloween that was just released and how they changed the art in that. And I didn't like it. Um, and I think they would do the same for this one. And I, it, it wouldn't work. I get, I would like it just fine, but people who didn't read this comic and they want to watch the story, if they made no changes, that would be, people would not understand it. It would not do well at all. Um, so I want to want it trashed in the media all over again. Yeah. Um, if it was made into an animated one, but the, the story doesn't, the story isn't a, isn't a through line for a, a movie or a short story or um, anything like that. So no, I hope they don't. I, I, they never will. So there's not to worry about, but I don't even like to think about it. It hurts <laughs> me to think about it. <laughs> I'm not much of a gambling man, but if I had to bet, I bet that they're never going to adapt this. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know that they would take something of this to even put in anything either. Um, it's, yeah. And I, I, I wish there was a sequel to it. That's for sure. It's, um, it's too in- the- interpretive to mm-hmm. turn into an animated movie. And like you said, in, I loved the long Halloween. I was mm-hmm. fine with the animation as it was. Uh, my first, obviously my first gut instinct was that like, Oh, this isn't resembling sales art that much at all, but okay. That's okay. That's fine. Um, Cause I think I can just accept like, how the hell are you going to do a two and a half hour completed movie with tin mm-hmm. tail art? And then Bermeo's is even more intricate. There's yeah. there's just no way that you can do that. And that would really disrupt me, which is why I hope that they never touch Noel either, because I don't know how they're gonna be able to yeah. do that. Oh. But um yeah. maybe they would and maybe they'd win me over, but I don't I don't see it happening and it doesn't bother me that they won't. That that, that no, it never I, happens. I, I, as people like to to say, you know, I didn't ask for this. People are really not asking for this one <laughs> uh, to be told in 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 movie or format. Like I said, I'd love to see a sequel of it. Sure, though. yeah. Um, you know, I I wish they would, and I bet you if they release it, I bet you it'd sell like gangbusters, um, just because of where this story was in the news at the time. And there's like there's so much more to tell. You know, Bruce Wayne or Batman is the Joker. That I want that for sure. That that's a, a very interesting story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Emma, what are your final thoughts on Batman Damned? I I really like Batman Damned, and I think it's one of those stories where you can read more and more and more, and you'll get more out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think <laughs> Azarello <Preach>. is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Azarello and Brumejo are one of the best, if not the best, team in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love the format of the book. Um, I love this hardcover, even though it's um, doesn't have the the bat wang in That's it. Right. Um, but you know, I love, I love everything about it. I love the sleeve on the cover that, that pulls mm-hmm. off. It's, you know, everything about the story is very cool. It's very interesting. It doesn't have to be the best and you don't have to understand it. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. You know, I, I, I enjoy things I don't understand all the time. That's pretty much my whole day raising kids most of the time. Um, so 
And I like that it's a story you have to think about. It's not a standard Batman story. That's what Black Label should be about. Um, that's what it has been about uh, in more recent years. It's basically just the Batman, Batman world of things where he kind of lives and does his thing. Um, and he can do different things. You know, I, I like different Batman, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have, I don't think he has to be um, the perfect Batman with the perfect family and the perfect life. And um, I don't even think Batman has to be Bruce Wayne all the time. And, you know, I'm okay with different Batman. I'm okay with different takes. And that's exactly there's, there hasn't been, or there aren't very many of different Batman takes or as different da- Batman takes as, as this one right here. All right. Yeah. I think this conversation has done uh, me very well on it, interpreting the story. I'm going to read it again before I, I put it up. Uh, I, I do think that it's good. I think the art is phenomenal. I think it's definitely interpretive. Uh, it's ambiguous. So you can, it's almost a choose your own adventure. Believe what you want that you get. Exactly. Out of it. You don't, you don't have to think too much on it. Just take it for what is on the page or you can take mm-hmm. a lot out of it and you can really scratch your brain and try to make sense of things. Um, good luck. But uh, yeah, it's it's worthy. I I like it. I like the team. Um, yeah, it's just if you haven't if you read it once and you didn't like it, maybe by now if, you're, if you've listened to this, give it another shot. Mm-hmm. I didn't check. Oh, uh, I would say for sure this is a book you have to read more than more than a couple times. And even if you don't like it, because you'll find I found a new thing in this book as we were talking about it. You know, tried to understand it more and just talking with mm-hmm. with somebody about it. And sure, if you don't like the words, just enjoy the art, you know. Yeah. So what, <laughs> it's it's too good not to enjoy. What was the. OK, so I was going to say it's on DC Universe Infinite um, to Infinite. check it out again. Uh, it, it's also on Hoopla, uh, <laughs> my Hoopla app. Uh, what was the new thing that you discovered quick before we say goodbye? So it, w- it was the idea that um, when Harley Quinn and Batman were getting together. Mm-hmm. There, I didn't. I, I didn't put it together that she did it while he was asleep, or and that's how it all happened. Why he doesn't remember gotcha. it? Um, he doesn't remember a bunch of things in this book. Um, but yeah. that—that's what I realized there that he's talking about that—that that he was the one who was raped, and she, he wasn't doing the raping or having consensual sex mm-hmm. with with Harley Quinn. That's as we were talking about it. That's what I thought of. Again, it doesn't mean it's right. No, but that—that—that's something I hadn't thought about until the moment we talked about it all right so hey there you go batman damned Emmett. thanks for coming onto the show ryan you have no idea how excited <laughs> i was that you even oh, asked me it. months and months and months <laughs> ago um and you know i'm so happy that you had me on um i listen every monday you're one of the best podcasts period not just batman podcasts that i listen to oh. so i i enjoy it and i i thank you for for doing this and like i said Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on, well, Ryan. Thanks a lot. Bless you. Um, I paid Emmett to say all of that. Um, bring in peace between the U.S. <laughs> and, and American Canada. Money. And American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, where could people follow you um, if they'd so like you, to? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Emmett Davis 7, E-M-M-E-T-D-A-V-I-S 7. Um, you can read things that I write for the Let's Go podcast at www.letsgopodcast.com. Um, and just give them a follow on Twitter at Let's Go Podcast. That's right. Thank people you. are, I'm sure people are pretty aware of Let's Go thanks to a Mr. Justin Kowalski who keeps popping on this show. And then recently got Matt Matt Ritchie himself on here. Got the the Vigilante Bros of mm-hmm. Nico and Daddy Batman and Mr. Zednik the Zeddy. 
Zeddy. So yeah, Zeddy. people are aware of the Let's Go. So give Emmett a follow there. As for the Batman Book Club, you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for latest episode drops, upcoming episodes, and sometimes, except for Canadians, giveaways. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer spelled like lower. Uh, you can email the show with questions or comments at thebatmanbc at gmail.com. You can go to batmanonfilm.com for all of my posts, which include that Lieber Mayho interview, some of my interviews on podcasts with Lieber Mayho and other stuff and reviews on Lego sets and uh, an 89 Batwing. Uh, I recently launched the Batman Book Club on Twitter page. There's not a lot on there, but I think everything should go as planned. A video review. Patreon. <gasps> yes, at Patreon. Well, oh yeah, I'm getting there. I said Twitter. Oh no, uh, YouTube. There, there, there is... It, there is okay. a Batman Book Club YouTube, and right. it, at the time of this recording, I'm about to drop something on Batman 89 number one. So check that mm-hmm. out also. But yes, I'm also finally on Patreon if you would like to help the show, help pay for some of help pitch in for uh, the show, as everyone says, to keep the lights on in the Wayne Manor study. You can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash TheBatmanBC. There's also a link in the description of this episode. You can also support the show with merchandise from T Public, And lastly... If you'd like to help but you don't want to spend any money at all, that is 100% A-OK. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. The link to that page to rate and review is in the description of this episode. The more reviews I get, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So, for Emmett Davis, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, we love Batman Comics. <laughs> <laughs>